If you want to open your Bibles, I'll meet you in, in John chapter 5. We're, we're going to kick it off right at verse 1, but I don't know if you've ever heard the saying, the elephant in the room. I looked it up on Wikipedia in case you were unfamiliar with the term, the, but I'm pretty sure you know what it means, but, but we'll just review. We'll just review, okay? That's what we'll do. The, the expression, the elephant in the room, is a metaphorical idiom in English for an important or enormous topic, question, or controversial issue that is obvious or that everyone knows, but no one mentions or wants to discuss because it makes at least some of them uncomfortable. The elephant in the room is the thing that, you know, it's there. Everyone knows it's there, but no one wants to talk about. I, look, every family has some elephants in the room. Every relationship has some elephants in the room. Every person has some elephants in the room. And uh, this story we're about to read out of John 5 has a couple elephants in the room. We'll start right at verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there was in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. So here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. But one was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked, do you want to get well? Right off the bat, I want to point out the elephant in the room. Yes, Jesus, this man is paralyzed, and he's been that way for 38 years from birth. I don't think you have to be a super genius to understand the fact that this man wants to walk. So why does Jesus ask him, do you want to get well? It's the elephant in the room. It's the, it's the question everyone knows, but no one is really talking about. But it says this, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, well, look, you don't even have to get in the pool. All right, don't worry about the pool. I'm not going to do it the way you think I'm going to do it. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. Elephant in the room. This man thinks I have to get into the water to be healed. But Jesus said, I'm not going to do it the way you think. I'm going to do it. A lot of times in our life, God does not do things the way we want him to do it. And so I feel like there's an elephant not in the room, but an elephant in this text where the man picks up his mat and walks, but he thought, I have to get into the pool to be healed. Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made well? He says, sir, I have no one to get me into the water. And Jesus said, I don't need the water. I am the water. I am, I am healing. 
But that's not really what I want to preach about today. Verse 9, at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said, pick up your mat and walk. So there's a even, there's another elephant. <laughs> there's another elephant in the room. The, there's another elephant that Jesus healed the man. And that's like not that mind-blowing probably to you if you grew up in church or if you've heard some sermons or really heard anybody talk about Jesus. It's not that crazy. We know that healing is something Jesus did on a regular basis. But Jesus did it in a way that ticked off the Jewish leaders. It says this in verse 9, the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Sabbath was a day where there was no work supposed to be done. That was the law. That was what the Jewish people held on to. They related to God through the law. But when Jesus came, he came as the fulfillment of the law, not to get rid of the law, but to embody in the full nature of the law. Now at this, Jesus did something that the Jewish leaders could not wrap their minds around because Jesus did not always do things the way they were supposed to be done. There was an elephant, there was an elephant, there was an elephant in the, in the room that this was not how this was supposed to go down. And the Jewish leaders are opposing the very Messiah they're waiting on. The reason I'm telling you that is because the Jewish leaders don't just have the elephant in the room. And you know what? That's not even what we're talking about today. We're not talking about the elephant in the room. We're talking about the inner elephant, the inner elephant. They were opposing the very Messiah they were waiting on. What if God is sending into your life, just like he sent Jesus to the Jewish people, but his own received him not? What if God is sending something into your life, but it's not in the form or the format that you expected it to show up, and so you reject it like the Jewish leaders rejected the miracles of Jesus because his actions did not fit into their box of their mental picture of the Messiah. Do you have a mental picture of how God is supposed to act? And if God does something that goes outside of your mental picture, how do you respond to that? We're okay with Jesus exceeding our expectations as long as it is in a way that we appreciate or like, 
But what if, what if the elephant in the room, what if the internal elephant in, in our life is, is, is that what God is sending is not going to be the way we think it's supposed to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, they were expecting a Messiah. They were expecting them to come and set the people free, but they thought he would look like a king. But Jesus did not king, come as a, as a king that they, they thought of. He came, he came as a humble servant because, because the kingdom of God is not going to be built on the way man expects for that to be. And that's the, that's the tension. That's the, the elephant in the room, and now I'm going to say something that might offend you, but the elephant was intentional. Because Jesus, right in verse 15, said, the man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So Jesus said, go, go tell him it was me. Go let them know, I healed you, and I did it on the Sabbath, on the day that they, they don't think that's, that kind of thing is supposed to happen. Go, go let them know, go let them know it was me. Go let them know it was me. And now this was not the only time, in fact, I will say this, most times that God moved, it happened in a way where there's an elephant. There's always an elephant. Anytime God moves, there is a part of it that does not make sense to us. The idea of something being supernatural must require that it not always make 100% sense in the natural. So, so, John 4, you know the story. It's the woman, it's the woman at the well. Woo, the woman at the well where Jesus goes out to this well in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, and out comes this woman. Not just any woman, a Samaritan woman. Now, there's four elephants in this text. First elephant, she was a Samaritan. Jesus, by birth order, was a Jew. And the Jews and the Samaritans did not in any way, shape, or form, even, even in verse 9, it says this, for, for Jews do not associate with the Samaritan. But verse 7, we'll, we'll, we'll just go through a couple verses. Here we go. This is a good idea. When, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Verse 8, his disciples had gone into town to buy food. So Jesus looks at this Samaritan woman, for the Jews did not associate with the Samaritans. So there's the first elephant. First elephant in the room right there is racial diversity, racial prejudice, which Jesus did not buy into, by the way. He saw people not by their external, but by their heart and their character and their integrity. So first, first off the bat, she was a Samaritan. Second thing was, was she was a woman. This was a society where men and women really wouldn't be caught in public having a conversation. It would be highly unlikely. Um, but this was not just any woman. 
This was a woman who had had five husbands, and she was currently living with a man that wasn't her husband. Now, I don't want you to hear that and start to make assumptions about her. In this culture, the woman would not be legally able to file for a divorce. The man would have to be the one to file for a divorce. So that must have meant there was something about this woman that would draw you to her, but then make you want to go away. And we don't know exactly what that was, but this was not the typical woman that you would expect the savior of the world to come and talk to. And then if that's not enough, the Samaritans didn't even have the same theology as the Jews. They believed, you know, she even said, you know, we worship on this mountain, but the Jews say that we have to worship in Jerusalem. And they have this kind of theological conversation where her and Jesus weren't even aligned theologically, yet Jesus still used her. So the elephants in the room, this woman was racially, sexually, um, relationally, and, and theologically in a whole nother place than Jesus. But Jesus showed up and used her anyways. So this is how the rest of the text goes. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Verse 10, but Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I love this part. If you knew. So he's saying, if you knew who you were talking to. I feel like God's saying that to somebody today because you're just saying like, God, this, you know, this isn't working. This isn't going the way I want it to go. Life's just not panning out the way I want it to pan out. I thought I'd be, I thought I'd be married by now. I thought I'd be graduated by now. I thought I'd have a job by now. Or even worse, you can have all those things and then say, God, I still don't have peace. But if you knew who you were talking to, you would have asked him for living water. And they kind of go through this discussion where, you know, she's like, you know, why, why would you even speak to a woman like me? That's what we do. We, we, we say things to God. The elephant in the room, the thing you know about yourself that you don't want other people to know about, yeah, that, the, ele- the internal elephant. We want to send God away and say, look, look, God, I know, I know you, you know, had your son die for me and stuff, but, but if you really knew me, because we all have an inner elephant. We all have a, a something, a sin, a secret struggle. We all do. Look, look, look. We all do. All have sinned and fallen short. All have an internal elephant. All have a thing where it's like, it makes me uncomfortable just to think about it, especially to talk about it. We don't have to bring that up. That's a that's an elephant, not in the room. That's an elephant in my, in my heart. 
And so they kind of go through all these conversations. And then about this time, um, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking to a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking to her? The disciples were like, look, I don't really want to, I don't want to, Jesus is doing his thing. He knows what he's doing. He knows, he knows how to do this. He knows how it goes. We don't, we don't really need to bring that up. We'll just leave that. But there was an elephant in the room. Even though they didn't talk about it, there was still an, an elephant in the, in the room. And we hide our elephant. But when we hide our elephant... When we hide it, we rob God of the opportunity to heal it. We do. Even, even in the Old Testament, we can see this play out with Moses. Because God is sending Moses to go tell Pharaoh, you know, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. You know, you know God, God sends Moses to do that. Go tell Pharaoh. Use your lips and tell Pharaoh. But in Exodus 4.10, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent. I've never been eloquent. <laughs> He's talking about his elephant. He's saying, my elephant is that I'm not even eloquent. You want me to go speak on behalf of your people but I am not even eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. So he's saying, even before you got here, and even still I had been in the presence of the Lord, and I haven't got any better. I am slow of speech and tongue. But the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? And who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send somebody else. My elephant's too big. My struggle's too real. You couldn't use me, God. But then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. But it didn't burn against Moses because he was struggling. It burned against Moses because God was mad at Moses, not for his inability to keep up, but for his inability to accept the elephant in the room, which is that even though Moses wasn't qualified, God was going to use him. I am not, I can't, I can't speak. I can't, I can't do it. God, 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 you know, I'm sorry, man. Don't look, look, look. I'm not eloquent. Don't. I got an elephant. I'm not, I'm not eloquent. Don't, don't use me. But, 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 but God said, I will help you. I feel like God's saying that to you right now. I will help you. You've been trying to do it in your own strength, but I will help you. You've been trying to fight battles with your own power, but God's saying, I will help you. I will send my Holy Spirit. I will give you my advocate and he I will help you. Stop trying to do it on your own. You can't. I know you're not good enough, Moses. I know you don't, you're not eloquent. I know you don't have what it takes. But I 
in the Lord and I will help you. That's what God is saying right here. Exodus 4.12. I will help you and speak. And what if God is saying that to you today? What if God is saying to you today, I will help you? Can you receive? Because it may not look like you want it to look. It may not show up in the package that you order. God may do it, but not the way you think he is going to do it. So Moses said, get away. Same thing Peter said. Same thing Peter said. Remember, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Because he had an elephant. He had that inner thing. He had that thing that he couldn't accept about himself. But God loved him in spite of it. But it, it was the fact that he knew what he struggled with. He knew his inner elephant. But the elephant was intentional. God wanted you to have that weakness. God wanted you to have that thing about yourself. Not so your life would just suck. But, but, but so you know it is only by his power so that you know it is only by God's grace so that you know it is only by the Lord that lives inside of you that it happened. Because if, look, if it wasn't for the elephant, you just would think you were hot stuff. <laughs> you would think, man, I did that. But God wants to do something so big through your life that you'll be like, I didn't even know, like that, no way that was me. That couldn't even come close to my talent. That couldn't even come close to my skill level. That was all God. Not in that cheesy way where you know, you know, you do something that you probably could have done on your own. Like, well, it was all the Lord, you know? But even then, it's the Lord who gave me breath today. I could walk, I could read the Bible. I have, I have lips to speak. I have breath to breathe. So thank you, Lord. And I don't want to leave you just on that note because there's one more thing I want to talk about because you're kind of like Moses where it's like, I'm not eloquent. Maybe, maybe you can speak fine, but there's, there's some elephant somewhere where you're like, I'm not eloquent. I don't have, I'm still struggling in this area, God, so don't use me quite yet. But God showed up right there and said, the elephant was intentional. And don't think you're the only one. Here's what I really came to say today is you're not alone. Because 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation, the same word that we use for temptation can also mean test. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted or tested beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he also will provide you a way out so that you can endure it. Endure the elephant. Hashtag. Let's make a hashtag. Endure the elephant. No, no, no. Because, because you think I'm the only one who's struggling with this. I am not eloquent. And, 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 and you're, the enemy is using that thing to isolate you and make you retract and reject people God is sending into your life to encourage you. But you can't accept the encouragement because you're, 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 you're getting rid of the encouragement and focusing on the ele elephant. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, 
how do you not have bad thoughts? I said, I wish to God I knew. I wish I knew how not to have elephant thoughts, but to have eloquent thoughts. <laughs> how not to have negative thoughts, but how to have positive thoughts. I said, I've got no idea. But what I do know is whichever ones you focus on, those are the ones that grow. So do you wanna focus on your elephant? Get away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. I am not eloquent. If that's what you focus on, if that's what you rehearse, that becomes more true in your life. But if you rehearse on the fact that it is by God's grace, it is by his son, it is by his power that I can do this. And if the Lord has called me to do it, I can do it. I don't know how, I'm not eloquent, but it's the Lord's power in me. And that's how you will know. And that's how you will know. Matthew 27, and I'm closing here. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus's body. We've got, we're talking about right after the crucifixion when Jesus was dead. And Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Jesus took his body, wrapped it in clean cloth. Joseph took his body, wrapped it in clean cloth and placed it in his own new tomb where he had cut out of the rock. And he, he rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting opposite the tomb. Jesus is dead. He's been crucified, his disciples have scattered. Fear fills any Christ follower. Yet, we know, we know because it's 2021, we know that Jesus gets up out of that grave. We know that he was only in the tomb temporarily. We know there was an elephant in the tomb, not an elephant in the room. Because even though Jesus's body was dead, God's purpose for him was not done. I'm telling you this to encourage you today. Don't focus on the elephant, focus on the encouragement. What you focus on will grow. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. You are not alone. You are not the only one. And the enemy right now is trying to isolate you by making you think that you are too bad and your struggle is too big and your sin is too real. But don't focus on your tongue, Moses. Don't focus on your inability to speak, but focus on the one who made it. That's what God said. That's what God said who gave human beings their mouths. You're talking about, I can't even speak, but who gave human beings the ability to speak? Focus on that. Don't focus on the elephant. Don't focus on the struggle you have, child of God. Focus on the God who made you, the one who crafted you, who knit you together in your mother's womb. Don't, don't dwell on the past. Don't think on the struggle. It happened. 
Don't ignore it. Whatever you try to hide, God can't heal. But know that God's grace is more real than whatever struggle you face. Lord, I thank you for each child you sent today to hear this word. Let them receive it. Let them believe it. Let them understand and know that you've called them, you've created them, and you have a purpose for their life. I pray that they are encouraged to know that their elephant is real, but your grace is more real. That their struggle is hard, but your provision is stronger. And you've set your seal on them. You've called them, anointed them, and you've given them exactly what they need for the season they are in. I thank you for your spirit, for your grace, for your power, and your mercies that are new every morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, well, the elephant in the room is you need to subscribe. <laughs> you need to like, share the, share the good news, share the gospel. Um, that God has made, a, made an atonement. That's a biblical seminary word for you means he's covered us he's got us covered in his love well i'm so thankful for you i'm so thankful to partner in the gospel with you um if you want to become a partner if you haven't done that yet go to gracemovement.online and there you can learn how to partner with us on a financial level but hey thank you so much share this message share this content with somebody somebody needs it somebody you know needs this message and it's gonna help them i love you so much you have a great week bye